Today on My First Concert. This music coming from four guys, just four guys. You know, yeah, they got Marshall amps stacked to the top of the Met Center and all this, but they are jamming. And then everything we wanted started happening. You know, Gene Simmons starts with the blood. And I know it's kind of the, you know, the all-star wrestling effect going sure. on. Like, the dude can't be biting his lip every night. <laughs> <laughs> That's Emmy Award-winning Chris Schaefer. You see him nightly on WCCO television. He's a meteorologist, as you know, but also a former radio guy and a big rock and roll guy, big music fan. And Chris joins us today, and our thanks to Star Bank for making it possible. That's the bank right here of Talk North. Aquarius Home Services. Jeff and his gang have been doing it for several decades, and they are the best. And by propane. Going to tell you a little bit about propane and how it's helping us in this environmental crisis that we continue to hear about daily. And you'll be anxious to hear all about what they're doing right now. Very cool stuff. That's today on My First Concert. Chris Schaefer, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, Dave. How are you? Well, it's great to have you on. I'm thrilled to have you on. So is Brianne. And obvious, the first question, the name of the podcast, Chris, you're a music fan, but I don't think I know the answer to this. What was your first concert? Well, I am so excited, Dave, because normally people call to complain about the snow, the <laughs> tornadoes, the thunderstorms. It's your fault, yeah. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you there was some really fun uh, connection to weather, like Jay Ferguson. He sang <laughs> Thunder Island. I do love that song, though. Uh, yeah, I always flash back. It's funny because um, when I hear the Earth, Wind and Fire song, September, you know, do you remember the 21st night of September? Well, I remember the 28th night of September <laughs> 1979. That's when my dad drug his boys, Chad, age 11, and Chris, age 9, to go see KISS. Oh, my. The Met Center. The Met Center. It doesn't exist anymore for the younglings listening right now. Um, it was an epic show, Dave. <laughs> what did you know about KISS? This was fun. I remember my brother buying, you know, saving like paper route money and bringing home this album. <laughs> and we had a record player. My my dad and my mom had a, a great stereo system that they didn't like us to touch a lot because I'm sure it was worth a lot of money. But we had a little stereo in our bedroom that we shared. And he plops down this album. And I remember looking at it, fascinated, looking at these guys in this makeup. <laughs> it looked like a Halloween thing or something like that. <laughs> And he puts it on and we're listening to it. And, you know, again, I'm nine years old and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and then he starts getting album after album. I mean, pretty soon he's got a stack with uh, Hotter Than Hell, which was awesome because there's a swear word and I'm nine. Uh, Destroyer, <laughs> rock and roll over, uh, you know, just all the and then this Alive album. He's like, check this out. This is like live. And he's putting it on and it's like a double album. And the music was so good and hard driving and all these album covers with these guys and the makeup and there's fire and there's blood and there's just all sorts of stuff. I was hooked immediately as a little boy. You know, you bring up an interesting item. The first time you're a kid and you hear some singers swear and it was like, oh, man, and everybody wanted to keep hearing that song. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and I don't think my parents enjoyed, like, if there was some girl in my class and I'm like, 
that girl, she's hot, hot, hotter than hell. <laughs> like, watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little life lesson there, thanks to Kiss. Have you seen yes. them since? Have you seen them since? Uh, yeah, I've seen them several times, and, and this is a fun story. We'll we'll come back to the the concert, but so it was my first show, and and uh, it was epic. And then as time went on, my brother and I in the year two thousand. Kiss was doing their farewell tour, wink, wink, kind of like Cher and all these artists. (laughs) This is the last one. Yeah, okay. Um, So we went to see them. Now it was at Target Center, which ironically didn't exist when we saw them at the Met Center when I was nine years old. So fast forward, we see them. And this was the last time the four originals with Paul, Gene, Ace, and Peter were touring. And it was a great show. Again, it was it was funny watching it now. What I was thirty years old, I guess, when I saw this. And then fast forward again. I, I play Kiss around the house. I play all kinds of music. I'm into everything. We have uh, daughters, twin daughters, and a younger daughter that's a year younger than they are. And in 2010, <laughs> Kiss was coming to the state fair, and I looked at my wife and I said, you know. <laughs> Our girls haven't had a concert experience yet. Don't you think it would be kind of cool if their first concert was the same band that was my first concert? And she looked at me and said, you want to take our girls to a Kiss concert? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, they're hotter than hell. Come on. <laughs> she thought about it. And I said, look, I did a little research. They've cleaned up their show. They understand they have a lot of younger concert fans there and all sorts of stuff. And she said, okay, I think that's a cool memory. So we brought our girls that were, let's see, eight, eight, and seven at the time. And Dave, it was so fun to look at the band and then look at them. And the look in their eyes was the same as what I felt when I was their age, basically watching Kiss performed. They were fascinated by the music, the theatrics, the fire, the blood, the, you know, smashing guitar, everything I fell in love with. These girls were totally engaged, just like I was. What a great experience to share that with the daughters. And your wife at the end said, Chris, you were, you were right. I'm sure she told you that you were right. That was a great decision. And it was fun because my brother and his wife came with. So it was also fun to glance over at my brother. And at this point, I think we'd seen him three or four times together. And uh, just just fun memories, you know, we, just like you talk about when people talk about their first concert or all that. We look back still and say, oh, yeah, I remember remember back then, you know, Paul was jumping around and, you know, now he's using a cane, which is true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they are like 70 years old, I believe. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we'll ever know the the age of those people. I, when you go back to that first concert, Chris, what do you remember about it as a youngster? You know, I I remember first of all being very impressed that my dad would take us yeah. to a concert like that. That wasn't like him to do something like that. He he grew up with you know he loved Elton John, he loved uh, Manfred Mann's Earth Band, he had all the Beatles albums and. Uh, very into music. And my mom was very into music, too. She was more like uh, the Bee Gees and country music. So I had this this rich library of music that affected us. Clearly, neither one of them threw a Kiss album on. I said, hey, kids, come listen to this. <laughs> you know, that came from my brother. Uh, but, you know, 
I remember we, we had the buildup with all these albums. I remember my brother signing us up for the Kiss Army. Yeah. This was, again, this was unheard of. They wanted you to be part of this club. You know, Led Zeppelin wasn't doing this no. and, and, and Foreigner or these other bands. And they would send you like, you know, bumper stickers and patches you could put on your jean jacket and all that stuff, <laughs> belt buckles, <laughs> um, just the merchandising. And, and I had no idea how brilliant that was for a band to not only make money off your music, but make money off your faces and your your logo and all this stuff. So so we were pretty invested in KISS. And, and I remember my brother was really hitting my dad up to go. And when my dad said, yeah, let's go. Mom did not come. I think she stayed at home listening to the Bee Gees album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember walking into the Met Center. I remember the sights, a lot of people that were dressed up in their makeup. Uh, I remember kids like me and my brother. I remember uh, teenagers. There were a few people like my dad. I'll never forget the smell. Clearly the first time in my life I ever smelled marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I bet that was pretty pungent in there too. You never forget that. And I remember looking at my dad going, what, what is that smell? My dad's <laughs> like, just enjoy the show. Kids. Just enjoy the show. <laughs> he was not smoking it, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. in the air. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're guilty uh, but I by remember walking around and it was so fascinating to, to take in this this energy mm-hmm. that you could feel. And we sat down and <laughs> again, first concert. I don't know there's a warm-up band. I didn't care that there was a warm-up band. I'm ready to see Kiss. Yeah. And, and we're sitting there and out comes Judas Priest. Oh man. Rob I'm Halford. Like, I'm like, what the hell? Where's their makeup? <laughs> My dad's like, that's not KISS. <laughs> And clearly, I quickly realized it wasn't, but it was fun because these guys had energy. I mean, yes, breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. You've got another thing coming, all these songs. And I'm like, who are these guys? These guys are rockers and they don't have any makeup on, you know. (laughs) So they set the stage. They really brought the crowd. They got them ready to go. And then comes, you know, the lights go down. Fog machines are going off. People are going nuts and nobody's on the stage yet. And the curtain opens and here come these four guys that were like, David was like watching, you know, Superman and Spider-Man sure. and Aquaman. <laughs> I mean, these like cartoon like character guys come out, something explodes and they start jamming. And it, it was like those albums came to life. I, I couldn't even... I couldn't even believe it. It was just unbelievable to watch these guys and to sit there and hear this this music coming from four guys, just four guys. You know, yeah, they got Marshall amps stacked to the top of the Met Center and all this, but they are jamming. And then everything we wanted started happening. You know, Gene Simmons starts with the blood. And I know it's kind of the, you know, the all-star wrestling effect going sure. on. Like, the dude can't be biting his lip every night. <laughs> and then he brings out and he breathes fire. So you feel like you're at the circus. Yeah. And then Ace Frehley goes on a guitar solo and pretty soon his guitar is shooting things at the roof. <laughs> and and Paul Stanley is smashing a guitar. It was unbelievable, Dave. And to this day, I always tell people, I don't care if you're a Kiss fan. I don't care if you don't like Love Gun, Strutter, or all these songs they cranked out over the years. If you want to be entertained, go see them because the the theatrics, the pyrotechnics, uh, the choreography, everything they do is such a spectacle and it's so entertaining 
you can still walk out of there going, ah, I still don't care for their music, but that was fun. Demographics, they're all over the map, as you said, with your dad and your brother. And then all I mean, it can, this thing, some of their fans are easily in the 70s and even 80s. Oh, yeah, because I can't imagine. I mean, again, I tell you, I was nine years old when I yeah. saw them. I know there were fans in their 30s that are now in their, you know, 70s or 80s yeah. that are probably still walking around with a Kiss t-shirt <laughs> And I think that's so cool. <laughs> the beauty now of going to those concerts is that everybody sits down so you can see from wherever you're at. Nobody stands yeah. very long. <laughs> yeah, big difference, because back then, I don't think we ever, I don't know if Met Center had seats. No, it's probably <laughs> festival seating, as they called it, remember? Yeah, exactly. And then you're right, as time has gone by, and I've seen them, uh, and I saw them once since 2010. I think that was back at Target Center again. And and again, it's it's interesting because you can tell uh, Paul's voice is straining a little bit, which makes sense. He's 70 years old, and I can't believe he has a voice after all these years. But the music is still hard pumping and the show is still the same. It's still the same, you know, theatrics with the fire and the shooting this and that. Of course, there's a couple other players in there with uh, Ace and Peter bailing on the band, essentially, or being kicked out. There's controversy with that. But um, Tommy Thayer is in there now. And I think it's Eric Carr that's playing, but uh, the drums. But it's still a very, very fun show. Gosh, you made me think of, and I feel I haven't told this before, but I took my, my my middle son. His first concert was ACDC. Yes. Yeah, and and it oh. it's not as explosive as Kiss with all of that stuff, but it's such an experience. It's the same thing I tell people because it's one it's one of my all time favorite shows. Is when I went to ACDC, I've seen them many times, but. It's all the stuff that's going on. Although, you know, Angus is pulling his shenanigans, and you've got the video board. And, and uh, yeah, so I took – and my daughter, I think the first concert I took her to was uh, Beyonce. I'm oh, sure. fun? Yeah, it, yeah. Yep. And well, I got, and it's interesting because you, you just named two also that are very big – they're like productions. They're not sitting there on a bar stool, you know, singing like Cat Stevens might have done back in the day or something, you know. <laughs> These, these They're are not shows. aboard the peace train. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, Beyonce's fantastic, obviously, and ACDC has so many great hits. That's another one where I would say, I don't know how you could, from Shook Me All Night Long to all that, they're just so global in their music that those are great memories for the kids. Yeah, and yeah, and you're great bonding memories, too. Chris, when we come back after a break here, I want to ask you about among your favorite concerts. I think I may know one of them, but I'm going to ask you to think about that for a minute. I do want to thank our friends over at Aquarius Home Services. By the way, you can go to AquariusHomeServices.com and find out the things that they do. But uh, don't get stuck within, without heat. That's why I called Aquarius Home Services not long ago, a few weeks ago, and within a day they sent a technician out to give me a furnace tune-up. And I'll tell you something about the furnace tune-up. That'll make everything last longer, too, and that's what's nice about those. So if you don't do it, my goodness, take care of it right now. These these folks are great. Uh, you can look at all the reviews on them. They're professional. They're knowledgeable. they got the furnace all prepped for this year's holiday season and beyond. But Aquarius provides a five-star furnace tune-up, and they're going to thoroughly evaluate your entire heating system, review the results, happily answer any questions, and if they find any concerns, they'll provide clear options, upfront pricing, review their no-breakdown no guarantee, by the way. I, I guess the bottom line is at Aquarius, uh, Jeff and his staff believe in earning the right to be recommended. And they are so, so good. I remember when I told my buddy Ron Shera years ago about Aquarius. And, and you know as well as I do that Ron is an enormous fan. 
They're just a click away. They're so good. They're at AquariusHomeServices.com. I would check them out. Longtime friends, and I could tell you this. I've worked with them over two decades when Jeff started the business, and uh, it is fascinating. And they don't do only that. They take care of your whole home. Find out about it, AquariusHomeServices.com. This is my first concert. Dave Lee here. Great to have Emmy Award-winning Chris Schaefer with us. You'll see him again probably tonight as you watch Channel 4. Uh, he's uh, terrifically talented, but one of the things that we share in common is music. And, Chris, if I go back to among your favorite concerts, and maybe you have a favorite, what would that be? Boy, you know, it's interesting because it would be tough to rival that KISS concert experience, yes. especially, you know, when I was nine years old and saw them, these guys were in their prime. In fact, it was the last concert that the four originals that Paul, Gene, Ace, and Peter did together before they reunited several years later. But honestly, Dave, there's there's one that tops it. Hmm. And it won't surprise you, I think, uh, the artist's name is iconic, but the show itself had a lot of the similar qualities. It wasn't just this person singing. It was, it was the, the production, the show, and it just became such a fantastic experience. I'll take you back. I was, I was in high school, Stillwater high school, a pony and a friend of mine named Andy wire. Andy was a great guy. He was a super smart guy, super athletic guy. And he was an incredible dancer. In fact, he was on Star Search. Remember that show? Yeah. Oh, yes. No yes. kidding. Wow. Uh, he was yeah, so yeah. talented. Yes, and, sir. And had, you are yes, correct, sir. sir. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Ed McMahon. Yeah. Uh, and I loved Star Search. Um, so he comes to me one day and he goes, hey, how would you like to go? Uh, should we go get tickets to see Michael Jackson? Mm. And I'm like, Michael Jackson, at this point, you know, he, of course, had crushed it with Thriller. Uh, Bad had just come out. I liked the music, but it was that weird, awkward high school thing where you're like, that's not ACDC. That's not, I'm going to see Bon Jovi. <laughs> Michael right. Jackson. Yeah. I don't know. Is that cool? Or should, or should we yeah. be teenagers? Should we be like middle school for that? Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. I said, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> this was back in the day. There was no Ticketmaster. So Andy and I cut class to go to Dayton's downtown. Oh, yeah. They sold all the tickets. Yes. So, you know, here we are, a couple of Stillwater kids skipping school. So we're already nervous. We're downtown Minneapolis. And when we grew up in Stillwater, I mean, you didn't get downtown Minneapolis a lot. When you did, you were pretty much staring up the whole time because look at that tall building, the IDS. It's huge. We don't have those in Stillwater, you know. And so we go to Dayton's and we stand in line. And that's what you did. You waited in line. There was a little ticket window and the line moved like molasses and you looked around and you, you saw a lot of other kids were cutting class. You saw some moms <laughs> yeah. might be getting tickets for their kids. And we, you know, we're looking, we're spraying cologne on each other, you know, because you're passing through these departments. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> Got to try the free stuff. Yeah. And then we, Dave, honest to goodness, we get up by the window. We're three people away and they put a little sold out sign. Oh, no. And we're like, come on, we've been here for hours. And there's a grumbling in the line. And the guy opens a window and says, hold on, hold on. They might be adding another show. So we waited for like a half hour. I don't know who's calling what. Maybe they knew already and the guy's out having a smoke. I don't know. It didn't matter. <laughs> they announced another show. And because we were third in line, we got third row tickets. Oh, on my. The main floor. 
Oh my. And, uh, so we're super excited. We buy the, the max allotment. I think it was eight tickets or something. And we go back to Stillwater and word spreads about us cutting class and us getting <laughs> these tickets. And it's funny because all these people that were kind of ripping Michael Jackson, come yeah. on, that's kidding you. All of a sudden, those other six tickets were the most coveted thing on the planet. Oh, yeah. Everybody wanted those other tickets to go to that show. Let me ask you this. Did you have a girlfriend at the time, or did one appear suddenly when you had those Jackson tickets? Several appeared suddenly. <laughs> Imagine that. You were popular. I geek to chic. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy and I did what uh, every uh, high school kid would do. We sold the other six for profit. <laughs> sure. We were Ticketmaster before Ticketmaster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I'll never forget, Dave. So Andy and I went and we're on the third row main floor. And uh, again, it's a sim- similar thing. The buildup, he comes out on stage and there he is, you know, the king of pop. Thriller, the guy who could stand on his toes and moonwalk and and sang about Billie Jean and told me to beat it and all this stuff. There he is, Michael Jackson. He's thin, but he's confident. He looks great. And this guy, there was no lip syncing. He dances around that stage. He puts on the beat it jacket. He comes out and does this big Halloween thing with zombies and werewolves for Thriller. People are shooting out of the floor and 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 he does this duet. That's on his bad album called I Just Can't Stop Loving You, which is a beautiful song. And uh, here's this beautiful woman singing it with him. I don't know it, but years later, I find out the girl who was on stage touring with him was not the one who recorded the song with him, but it was a very young Cheryl Crow. No kidding. I did not know that. I would go on years later to enjoy Cheryl Crow's music. I would go on to interview her at a radio station and talk to her about that. And she, the biggest smile came over her face because, you know, all I want to do and all her great songs had not come out yet. She was just a starving artist just trying to get a gig. And she got a gig. And look at her now. Look at her now. Uh, but it was super fun. Um just to give you another snapshot of the time frame, you know, you're not supposed to take pictures or anything during these shows. My parents had bought me this Kodak disc camera. Do you remember the disc camera, Dave? Yeah, unfortunately I do, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was about the size of a cell phone today, about the same thickness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the selling point with the disc camera is you could hold the button and it would go snap, snap, mm-hmm. snap. You could crank out pictures without having to wind and put a flash bulb on and all this junk like those other cameras. So at one point, Michael Jackson comes over and this show he would shake his head when he would dance and stuff. And I kid you not, that sweat would hit us. And it, <laughs> Should have bottled it and sold it. Yeah, that, you're thinking, <laughs> oh, gross, right? But you would have thought, like, you know, it was oil and we had struck it rich. I mean, the people around us are screaming and, and rubbing it in like moisturizer. I wasn't doing that. But, but it's like, it's just Michael Jackson. It's his sweat. It's coming from his hair and it's hitting me and Andy. And, and these people are hugging us. And it was just crazy. <laughs> So at one point I stand up on the chair. There was actually a chair there Mm -hmm. and he comes over and he's doing some funky little dance move. And I let her rip. I'm holding that button on that disc camera and it's flash, flash, flash. And I'm like, this is epic. All of a sudden I get tackled like Harrison Smith came from out of nowhere and drilled me to the ground. Oh boy. 
pinned me to the ground and took the camera. Some expletives were exchanged. It was a security guard saying, no bleeping pictures, blah, blah, blah. They gave me my camera back after the show. They did. Oh, get it. Film was gone, of course. But the memories are there forever, Dave. Man, oh, man. That's pretty gutsy. But how could you not make an effort, right? Yeah, he was right there. And, and it, it's just it's amazing to this day when I hear that music and of course he did so much more and all the controversy and just everything involved with him is, is he was my Elvis Presley at that time because there was nobody bigger than Michael Jackson at that time. And, and I'm so glad I took Andy's advice and went and stood in a line at Dayton's. I don't, I don't condone this kids, but I'm glad I cut class that day Yeah, <laughs> because it was the best concert I've ever seen about well, that was, uh, at the time, it was the highest, or at least among, I think, with Pink Floyd, the highest earning tour of, of that time. And I would be anxious to, if somebody put it all in today's dollars, so if you took, like, the, the the Springsteen concert that sold out quickly or whoever, the tours, and then you kind of matched up inflation-graded uh, uh, numbers, it still would have to be among some of the best of all time, I would think, because it was a long tour, and... And uh, man, oh man, to have gone to that, that's pretty impressive. And you know, I think, Chris, one of the things that we uh, forget is the most exciting of these concerts like this is the anticipation. You stand in line, you get the tickets, and you wait for the concert. And when he comes on stage, it's like, you know, there's the culmination of all that excitement, all that anticipation. Anticipation's half the fun, if I may quote Carly Simon a little bit. Very good. Well, that is uh, that is a great all-time concert. I got more to ask you about here. He is Chris Schaefer. You see him on Channel 4. He's coming back in just a minute. This is my first concert. Dave here, our bank at Talk North is Star Bank. It's a dependable friend to have, too. They have folks that answer your phone call. Real, They'll actually answer the phone. You don't press buttons they, right away. How are you? This is Star Bank. At Star Bank, they make local lending decisions. They're important for you, particularly those of you out in the listing area that have ag-related industries in rural Minnesota. That's how they built this bank through the years. And you don't build it and make relationships uh, easily in that uh, in that industry because things can happen so quickly. But you do if you're good at what you do. You're good if you're able to call an audible. You do if you're you're good if you're able to help out those who are making really big business decisions. At that time, big in whoever's life, and the, the the big is regarding their situation, whether it's a lot of money or a little money or a big move, it doesn't matter. Star Bank is there for everybody, and of course now they've grown. They have ten locations around Minnesota, right here in the Twin Cities as well. Starbank.net is their website, so yeah, they have all the technology you need in banking. That's not a problem at all. But Andy and Harry and Katie and all the great people over there, not only do they get to know you, it's a pretty good chance if you stop in, you'll get to know them. Download that app, get that done, and then visit these people. Uh, Starbank.net. We're very proud to talk about them because they're really good at what they do. They're a member of FDIC, an equal housing lender, Starbank. Uh, when you get a chance, go to Starbank.net. Chris Schaefer with Channel 4 is with us from WCCO. You watch him on the news every night. Great meteorologist, award-winning, by the way. But before that, of course, he had uh, he spent some time in the radio business playing a lot of the songs, a lot of music. Chris, was there a song through the years? Was there a particular genre? We talked about your first concert being Kiss. Was there any songs along the line that were powerful in, in shaping what you listened to? Mm. It's interesting because uh, one of the things people love at WCCO is, is if you come to the Weather Center, there's always music playing. And 
people that have worked with me, gosh, I've been there over 16 years now. Uh, they know what kind of mood I'm in, depending on the music that I'm listening <laughs> yeah, right? to. Yep. <laughs> like a good example would be um, if there's like a snowstorm or any kind of severe weather, I'll generally have something like Yacht Rock Radio on. Sure. So I'm listening to England Dan and John Ford Coley or Seals and Crofts or Christopher Cross or all these because they, they kind of mellow me out. Yep, yeah. They keep me calm so I don't get too jacked up with the weather that's about to get jacked up. Uh, so you, it, it's just a very calming presence. Uh, there's other times that I'm uh, playing the hair bands because uh, I'm looking for some energy, like out at the state fair a lot when we broadcast live and we get to meet all these wonderful people that actually take the time to to watch our channel. I'll, I'll put on, you know, some of the great 80s hair bands, uh, the W's, as I say, like Warren, Winger, White Snake. Yeah. <laughs> it just brings a good energy. But I got to say, Dave, I, you know, I was I was so blessed that I had this radio career that I did long before television, because here I was, I was at the University of Utah down in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. going because they were a top 10 meteorology school. Uh, and people were shocked I was going to Utah. Of course, I've been asked a million times, are you Mormon? No, I'm not Mormon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that had its own challenges. I could do a whole podcast on that. Um, but here I was, and, and I was always fascinated by radio. Yeah. I always loved music. So I did an internship at a radio station, which was a, a top 40. Uh, this is the late 80s. So they're playing... Janet Jackson, they're playing New Kids on the Block when they were actually kids, <laughs> not like they are now. Uh, Bobby Brown, uh, Whitney Houston, all these. And I get in and I fall in love instantly. And uh, radio is an interesting beast because not only can you have your job and lose your job in a second, but you can also be working this great job playing all these artists. And then they do what they call a format change, you know, where they we're going to start playing soft and easy music and yeah. because we want a different uh, audience and make more money. So I remember Dave going from playing all the artists I just mentioned to all of a sudden I'm playing the Supremes. I'm playing Stephen Bishop. I'm playing, you know, uh, air supply. And I'm like, Whoa, at one second I was like floating on the ceiling going, that's Bobby Brown. Blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, Here's air supply. I hope you're having a lovely day. <laughs> it was like having a manual car. Yeah. I'm shifting gears yeah. all of a sudden to something really soft and light. But I'll tell you what, Dave. You're riding in an every elevator. Every genre that I played, I, I absorbed the music. I soaked it in and I'm like, wow, air supply. I used to kind of make fun of that. But these guys write some really good songs. Listen to this. If you say that to a girl you're getting a second date. <laughs> I mean, these guys know how to write lyrics and so I would say just over the years, I've, I've absorbed things. I say this a lot about movies, too. I don't know if I can tell you a movie that I've, I've hated. There have been a lot of stinkers that I've seen. But if there's one scene in that movie or one line that you repeat, mm -hmm. you know, things like I'm your Huckleberry or whatever it is that people know instantly what that is, then it was worth yeah. my time. And I say that about music. I, I have absorbed so many lines uh, so many deliveries from every genre and they just become a part of your life. And anybody that's watched me on channel four over the years, you know, I don't think there's a single weather cast I do that doesn't have some song lyric kind of embedded in there because that's just how I talk. That's how I am. The, among the concerts you've seen, Chris, outside the ones we mentioned, the bad uh, tour, which was enormous. 
of one of the best of all time. And Kiss, any others that stand out through the years? I remember, again, I would say dragging, but she kind of dug her heels in at first. Uh, Garth Brooks came to town. Uh-huh. And I, I worked at a country, I worked at a couple country stations, Bob 100 FM back in the nineties. And then K one Oh two, which is still around. I worked there twice actually. So I was very familiar with country, loved country. And here was Garth Brooks. And I, I said, honey, let's go to Garth Brooks. And she's like, yeah, I'm not really into country like you are. And I said, yeah, but he, he's a different country singer. And I brought her and it was like the kiss effect or the Michael Jackson effect. Garth Brooks is running around singing songs. He's so relatable. And she walked out of there going, wow, I get it. It's not like he's the the best looking square jawed ripped guy on. He doesn't have to be. He's the kind of guy that just, you feel like you're watching your buddy on there. You know, he's got a baseball cap. Now he's got a cowboy hat on. He's wearing a sweatshirt. He's got a Vikings jersey on. He's, he's singing songs again that are relatable soft and sweet at times, high energy at times. And fast forward, Dave, uh, I got a chance to interview him with WCCO. And I showed up and this guy wanted to talk to me as much as I wanted to talk to him. I start this interview and I got all these questions and pretty soon he's asking me about my wife. He's like, Chris, how long you been married? You know, and I tell him, he goes, that sounds like a solid marriage. You got any kids? I said, as a matter of fact, I do. I have daughters. We're talking about my daughters. And I'm like, hold on a second. Who's interviewing who? And, and <laughs> he gets it. He had these. Neat, yeah, he had these neat little tidbits. Like he said to me, he said, uh, he goes, do you live in a big house? And I was like, Garth Brooks is asking me about my house. I said, no, not really. And he goes, because I, he goes, I prefer people live in smaller homes. He goes, I don't like that. If you live in a big house, he said, your kids have more places to get away and hide. He goes, if it's a smaller house that keeps you all closer together. And by the end of the interview, he's given me a bear hug. And he's a, he's a big guy. He's yeah, tall yeah. He's compared to me. Yeah. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I told my wife, I said, I love this. I want to have dinner with this guy and hang out with him. And I've been asked by many people over the years, do you think it's all an act? I said, it can't be. I don't know how you could do that day in and day out. And other people that have met him share that same experience. You see that on specials that he does. He's the real deal, a very successful real deal. But uh, I'm just happy for him and all the success that he's had. And he had a, a cult-like following when he was in when he was first playing. I mean, the people down in Oklahoma where he was playing, I think it was Oklahoma, he, they were glued to this guy. You know, you, local bands, sometimes just somebody gets red hot and everybody loved Garth Brooks. And, and so you're right. I think it just doesn't happen by accident. Um, yeah, he, I got to tell you, speaking of meeting uh, these uh, artistic icons, you know, that first concert I went to with Kiss, they've always, I, I kind of got away from them a bit when they took the makeup off and mm-hmm. went through guitarist after guitarist and drummer after drummer. So, you know, the lick it up and heaven's on fire and stuff. I wasn't really embracing those when they came out. I since have gone back to appreciate the music. But again, fast forward and, and thank WCCO, these, these musical interviews come up and they call me right away. And I remember I had a day off. Let's just say it was a Friday and I got a call from one of our producers and they said, Hey, any chance you can come in today? And you know what that call is like. You're yeah, like oh, I sure man, do. It's my day off. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just going to do something with the kids and da, da, da. I said, which, which shows all the shows. They said, 
no-shows. We want you to come interview Gene Simmons. Oh, my. I said, yeah, what, where, when? I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to uh, the depot, downtown Minneapolis, and uh, they said, yeah, it's in this room. Uh, we'll, we'll come get you when uh, we're ready to have you go in there. So I'm standing by this door and I brought my wife and, and mainly she was just going to drop me off. But I said, come on in. Why not? You know, so we're standing by the door and it's open and we look in there and I thought there would be like eight reporters, photographers, radio stations. We look in this room, Dave, and there's Gene Simmons sitting alone. <laughs> he's got dark sunglasses on. Oh, sure, he's, dressed, he's dressed in black like Johnny Cash or something. And he's on his cell phone and he kind of puts a finger up and waves, come on in. So we walk in there and he gets off the phone and there, there he is, Gene Simmons, the guy I saw when I was nine years old, spitting blood, breathing fire. <laughs> the rock star is standing right across from me and my wife. And I said, hi, Gene, Mr. Simmons, God of Thunder. You know, <laughs> what can I call you? And there are no cameras rolling or there's nobody in there. It's just mm -hmm. the three of us. And Gene Simmons in Gene Simmons fashion is looking through me and talking to my wife. He's hitting on my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I am not shocked by that. No, he's like, hi, what's your, and he's got this soothing voice. Hi, what's your name? And, and again, this is a guy that's over six foot tall. So he's, he's, he's a presence when yeah. you see him. And, and he's uh, confident. I'm he's very confident. I'm, like, I'm thinking, you know, if I'm at a bar with my wife and somebody's doing this, my feathers are getting ruffled, <laughs> but I'm like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> And at one point, my wife says, uh, can I get a picture of you guys? He goes, yeah, let's do a picture. He takes the camera from my wife's hand, gives it to me and puts his arm around her. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want a picture of you two. I want a picture with you. And so he had this this kind of rock star exterior going sure. as I'm talking to him. Again, we're not even doing the interview yet. That's that's minutes away still. Mm -hmm. And the best part was I told him the story about bringing my daughters, our daughters, to this concert in 2010. And it was their first show, just like it was our first show. And my wife had brought a couple of pictures. And I said, Gene, I want you to see this. I said, they were so into you guys. And, and that concert was during the State Fair. It was like September, early September. I said, that Halloween, this is how we went for Halloween. And it's a picture that became our Christmas card. It's my three daughters and myself <laughs> dressed up as Kiss, makeup, hair, uh, outfits. And Gene Simmons is looking at this picture and he lifts his sunglasses for the first time and his voice becomes normal. He's like, oh, my God, look at this. He goes, this. This is so awesome. Look, at, <laughs> she's got her tongue out like I do. And, and, and then he goes down the line. He's looking at the picture and he goes, who is this ugly Ace Freely on the end? I said, you're a very funny guy. <laughs> I said, my one daughter wanted to be the cat because she's an animal lover. My rebellious child wanted to be Gene for obvious reasons. My other twin daughter, she's kind of the, the ringleader. So she's the Paul Stanley. And yeah, that's me, the ugly guy. In the end. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really cute too, Dave, because his, his daughter, the whole reason he was in town, his daughter, Sophie was uh, a spokesperson for a great, uh, uh, fundraising place in the Twin Cities here. And she was being awarded and he was going to introduce her. That's oh. the only reason he was in town. And in, 
in she comes and I did not watch the, the Simmons stuff, the reality shows or anything, but she's a striking presence when she comes in and he introduces me and he shows her that picture. And all of a sudden you feel like you've known the Simmons family for years. We're talking, we're backslapping. And it was, mm-hmm. I guess, an incredible icebreaker that took it to a whole new level. Yeah. But the funny thing is when I did interview him, then talk about a professional, this guy has got it figured out. He was there to talk about his daughter. He was there to talk about this nonprofit organization. And when I would ask questions like, so right now, uh, is Paul Stanley on your favorites on your cell phone? He'd be like, you know, Paul and I have a great relationship, a lot like people have with this nonprofit. Blah, blah, blah. He would just corral <laughs> everything and control that interview yeah. so well that if you wanted some dirt yeah. on Gene Simmons, you weren't getting it. He was going to put you on the road he wanted you to be on. Yeah, what a great memory for everybody. And I'm sure your wife, she had had to love it. It was like I was telling Brianne, we've told the story before, when we met Taylor Swift, and all Taylor wanted to know is where my wife got that dress. Where'd you get that purse? Tell me about the shoes. It was, yeah, the great ones, they know how to do it. Um, well, let me ask you this too, Dave. I mean, did you get that similar feel? You're talking about, I don't know, maybe the biggest artist out there today. And did you get a vibe of I'm superstardom or I'm no, who I am? No, I didn't get any of that. I, I, I got none of that. I, she was about as uh, regular as she could have been. I mean, yeah, you're right. She's big. She's she's actually quite tall. I, I'm guessing she's at least 5'11", and if she has okay. heels on, she's tall. So, and so she can be intimidating, I suppose, to some. She was, I don't know, I, she just couldn't have been nicer. Uh, it, it was just, uh, I, and it was that same thing you talked about, Garth Brooks, paying attention to the people she's meeting. It wasn't about her whatsoever, not in the least. Yeah, that's that's impressive, and it, it spells success for her as well. Hey, Chris, hang on. We'll close it off here in a minute. I do want to mention uh, one of our great sponsors at Propane. I talked about uh, reducing carbon emissions at the top of the show and how it's good for all of us. We all know that. That's nothing new. I think the question is how in the world do we do that? How do we reduce emissions? And yet we have to meet this planet's increasing energy needs. Propane, think about this, and I'm going to ask you to go to their website and learn about them because this is an excellent way to reduce emissions and yet meet these energy needs that we're talking about all the time. It's clean, propane is. It's non-toxic. It's an energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions. Think about that. I mean, and right now. In fact, propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. Grid electricity in Minnesota, including wind and solar, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. So who knew that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity? And there's an abundance of propane, too. And the growth of renewable propane means it can be used for generations to come. So we're talking about our kids and down the line and even further. Propane offers that. Millions of Americans are using it right now. They might heat their homes. They might heat their business with it. They might fuel their vehicles with it, uh, whether it's on-road or off-road. But it is propane, the right energy choice right now. What you need to do, though, if we piqued your curiosity, is find out more about what propane can do for the you and the environment, both. And all you have to do is to go to propane.com. Well, Chris, any closing comments, anything I've missed? I know we might have to have you back for version two because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, you know, I just I I just appreciate uh, people listening to this that would watch WCCO. I love when people pick up on the musical references. And and Dave, we talked about this. You and I could go into a bar together (laughs) and 
two things people will talk your ear off about are the weather and music. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed that I had a career that that has covered both. And yeah, I love when people hear, you know, when I'm talking about snow and I'll say something just quick, like, and like the Billy Joel song, this storm is moving out. You know, I mean, people pick up on that. And I've used it as an educational tool where I've told people, you know, Stevie Nicks sings thunder only happens when it's raining. That's not true. You know, I almost become Pat Kessler and dispel that rumor that uh, you can hear thunder and the rain is far off. Um, but I've made a million references. I've done a million actual musical forecasts where I just weave titles yes, into the have, whole yeah. forecast. And I enjoy it. And I appreciate that people share that same love. Oftentimes uh, I hear the same thing, just like you talk about is, oh, you know, I saw you two when I was young and I'm bringing my kid for their first concert and nothing puts a smile on my face quicker than somebody who's making a memory, you know, and that's what this whole thing is about. Music makes a memory. If I put a song on, it could take you right back, maybe to a good time, maybe to a bad breakup, you know, and, and that's what I love about music is, is is something that we can all relate to. It's therapeutic. It's a time and a place. It's 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 even more than than the songs. It's where you were, who you were with. Talk about being with your dad and your brother and now you're bringing your daughters and your wife. It's just music is uh, a great conversation point, and, and it was the origin. That whole thing is the origin of why we do this podcast. And, Chris, I couldn't wait to have you on. I, I got a feeling I'll be calling you back again sometime soon. I appreciate your time, and I know those uh, hours are uh, challenging because you, uh, you got the morning to yourself. I appreciate you sharing some time with us today. I look forward to version 2.0, Dave. We'll upgrade. We'll be better. <laughs> he, he will get it right the next time. He yes. Is, <laughs> he is Emmy Award winning Chris Schaefer. You'll see him on Channel 4. You'll see him tonight as well. Uh, and uh, he is kind enough to join us here on my first concert. And Brianna is here with us. She's been producing this show. We're going to be back again next week. We hope you stick around. Again, you can download all of these on Apple or Spotify. You can subscribe. You can go to talknorth.com and learn a lot more about it. And we'll continue to do them. And we appreciate all the feedback that comes in on these as well. This is Dave for Brianna and for Chris. Thanks for joining us on my first concert. We'll see you next time. 